So I, I connect with these guys because also none of us know where, where the what the future is. Right. So it's it's interesting to me to use them as a bit of a role model to say, hey, it wouldn't be too bad when I get to be 70 or 80 if this is the life that I'm still pursuing. And this is how this all plays out. From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here is your host, Brian Formals. Well, welcome, Tim. Thank you very much for having me. It's exciting. I'm going <laughs> to top off my papers. Like yeah. I'm gonna do the, you know, the weather today, I'm going to do something like that. Oh, papers. That must mean this is the old-timey news. Yeah. I know. I'm so analog. <laughs> oh, I like that you have notes, that you made notes. I mean, at least one of us is prepared then. You know? Yeah. I know, you know, I, I tend to maybe go off script for a yeah. long period of time, and I can I can get it back to all oh, the yeah. things that I think about wandering around at night. Well, we, I mean, first I want to thank you. You've been a big supporter of the show, too. It's always nice to have. It's great when you have people who like the show and then are actually so talented that they deserve to be on the show, you know? That is very so, sweet. You can have all the money in my left pockets. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, we like, I mean, that means I think we're doing something right, cultivating the right type of audience. And I like, was very excited when you asked me to be on. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got a lot of stuff to talk yeah. about. This is great. Yeah, it was, I was am really excited. Yeah, and we've awesome. run into each other a few times, a mutual friend. I remember mm-hmm. I probably met you in a couple of years ago. We met through Andrew Hetherington. Yeah, yeah. Here or there somewhere. And Andrew obviously was on the show last season, and that was a good episode. Yeah. And now we're here. So you, you've been on a journey, a very interesting journey with um, – Dare I say one of the most legendary photographers, art photographers in the in the history of the canon, uh, Mr. Dwayne Michaels. Yes. And you produced a book, and the book is called Tim, Go Away. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's fair to say that this is it's a homage, it's a work of art, it's a there's a lot of different things going on in the book, but where why don't you just give us a little background? Where did this kind of obsession with Mr. Michaels come from? And when did you decide, you know what, this is a project, this is a book, this is something I have to do? So the thing with Dwayne was, Dwayne Michaels was one of those photographers I learned about in school. I went to school in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Everybody at home can do the math on that one. (laughs) And um, yeah, so when I went to school, uh, he was one of the photographers I learned about. There was... um, Dwayne Michaels, Arthur Tress, Les Crims, uh, Jerry Yulesman, mm-hmm. uh, Lucas Samaras, uh, Ralph Eugene Meatyard, Joel Peter Witkin, the Starn Twins. Like, those are all the photographers I learned about when I was in school. And Dwayne Michaels, I feel, is one of those photographers that you can so easily connect with as a student because his work is often funny. It's uh, often kind of meditative and poetic. Um, the sequences are interesting, especially because I learned on ye old analog photography, <laughs> you know, and you thought, oh my God, so you can, you're allowed to write on mm-hmm. photographs. You can write on photographs. They're very, um, permissive, which is interesting. Um, and I was talking to a, a photo professor who teaches now and she's like, you know, when I bring books in, she's like, the Dwayne Michaels books are still the ones that students mm-hmm. gravitate to, which made me really excited because, to know that students can get you know excited over work that goes back to maybe the 70s um, is great. He's a photographer who uses the camera as what it is, which is this thing that hasn't changed much in 200 years, which is a box. And I think that when you look at Dwayne's work, it's like, what do you put in front of the box? 
You know, that that's all it is. He doesn't even use lights um, majority of the time. It's just the box and his brain is everything that's in front of the box. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea. So um, loved his work in school. I moved to New York in the mid-90s. Kind of forget about his work, you know, go off and, and do other things. Mm-hmm. And then some point around, I think it was uh, 2000, I was walking home and I was walking past Gramercy Park, well past Gramercy Park. I can't afford Gramercy Park. <laughs> uh, but I was walking past Gramercy Park and I saw um, somebody walking and I, I said, oh, I, I think that's Dwayne Michaels. Like I remembered what he looks like, you know. So I go up to him and I, I said, excuse me, I said, are, are you Dwayne Michaels? And he said, I used to be. (laughs) Of course, like he's never not on. He's always sharp. He's funny. And so we had like a quick little conversation there. And, uh, you know, that was it. I I went home. A few years later, this is probably like, flash forward 10 years, like 2011, I think it was. um, I started thinking about his work again and somehow became really connected with it. I started looking at my books of Dwayne's and started ordering more off the internet uh, to the point where I, I would find them inexpensively, at, you know, on like Amazon or, or a you know, third party seller. And I'd be ordering books of his that I'd never seen before. And these packages would just show up. I wouldn't even remember which book was in there, but it was exciting because I'd get this thing. It was like a gift to Uh me. uh There's a Dwayne Michaels book in there. I don't know which one it is. And I've never seen it before. Like, and that was going on for a little while. He has a, he has a, a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided, uh, oh, no, I saw a, um, a YouTube video that mm-hmm. somebody had done on them where they went to his house. And the start of the video just shows his buzzer, and it says East 19th Street. That was as much of his address as, <laughs> as I had. So one day I found myself on the very end of East 19th Street, and... I thought, oh, I should, I should find out where he lives. And I walked the length of East 19th Street, kind of in the middle of the street, <laughs> looking on either side to try and find the buzzer like I remembered it in my head from the video. And occasionally, maybe two or three times, I'm like, I think that's it. I would walk up. It'd be the wrong buzzer. Like, uh. <laughs> so I get to really the end of East 19th Street, and I, and I think I see it, and I walk up. And it just says Michaels on the buzzer. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm like buzzing with excitement. I'm, you know, standing there at the building. And I just took a, a little picture of it on my BlackBerry, which tells the story, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 2011, yeah. And, uh, and ran away and didn't know what to do with that information. So it took me four months to gather the courage to write him a letter. And I wrote him this letter, and um, I included uh, the letterhead for the letter was um, this little laminated quote of his that I keep in my wallet. And I use that as the letterhead on the letter, which is actually that, that letter, that first letter, is in the book. Uh-huh. So again, it took me four months just to write the letter because, and I think we can apply this to making work in general, uh-huh. if you don't do something, you have the possibility that it might come true, and that's super exciting. Uh-huh. You also know that it could fail, which is why not doing it is exciting and wonderful to keep as a fantasy. But if you don't realize it, you don't get the rest of the gift. Right. With making something, it's the exact same way. Like I put off making books and things for so long because I love the energy of it. But if I make it, it might fail. Yeah, exactly. It might not be the thing I want it to be. So that's why I waited so long to to send out this letter. Yeah, there's uh, the Woody Allen, I think I remember is 
biography or documentary, he said something. It's like, I really, I have, you know, I have the ideas in my head and it's this beautiful, perfect idea. And it's like fully realized and it's just like perfect. And then as soon as I start to make it, which I start to write it and then I, I shoot the film, I, I slowly destroy this beautiful, yeah. precious yeah. idea and I mutilate it. He goes to the time where like when the movie actually goes, out, I can't even watch it because I've so thoroughly like <laughs> killed this like perfect idea. Yeah, and it's like, wrecked it's, it. you've wrecked it. And it's just, that's what happens. It never... That idealized version in your head, I would say very rarely, if ever, actually comes to fruition. And that's just part of the process, you know? So that made me think of that. Yeah, know. and, and yeah. yeah. And there are, you know, different ways of handling that. Mm -hmm. You know, while you're going through the process, you can either embrace the mistakes and see what it becomes mm -hmm. or be super uptight. You know, I, maybe it's why directors do like 50 or 100 takes <laughs> yeah. on scenes, you know, when somebody's walking down the street or something mm -hmm. pedestrian, not to be funny. <laughs> manage those expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So here is the card, the laminated card. It is in my wallet to this day mm -hmm. that I use as the letterhead. And I included a, uh, my wallet. I just, literally, <laughs> I just literally put it on a Xerox machine. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Michaels, do it. You have two choices in life, doing and bullshit. I hate photographers who talk about photographs but never take any. And the only way you're ever going to grow, two things. One, you have to take risks. You have to be able to let go of all the preconceived notions of what photography should be and open yourself to possibilities. Otherwise, you're going to be spinning your wheels for the rest of your life, which is literally what we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so I used that as letterhead. I wrote him a letter and said, look, we're both from Pennsylvania. Um, it would mean a lot to me if I could come and visit with you. Um, these things matter to me, and, and I went on and on, and you can read about it in the book. Yeah. I can't read the letters over. They are in this book. I uh, can't because uh, I'm like, oh, my God, people are going to read this. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're so, somewhat – they're love letters. I mean, mm -hmm, they're not mm -hmm. romantic love letters, but they're, they're, they're adoration. Right. You know, that, that's what comes across. So he gets the uh, – Letter and a few days go by and he gives me a call and he says, leaves it on my voicemail. Oh, hi, Tim. This is Dwayne. Uh, my brother's name is Tim. What a coincidence that is. Um, I'd love for you to come over. Why don't you come over? You know, in a few days, give me a call. Here's my number. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. I don't hesitate this time. I give that number a call. The phone rings and rings and rings, rings and rings and rings. This goes on for a day and a half. Uh -oh. Now, this is a few days before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I need to do this before Christmas comes and the holidays and this all Maybe this never happens. So now I'm stuck. I'm like, I, I have this number, but there's no answering machine and nothing happens. What am I going to do? So I write him a postcard. This is getting into some real obsession. I write him a postcard that says, hey, I tried that number. You know, I'd love to meet with you. Uh, maybe your phone's out of order or something. But I'm like, what's the point of mailing this and going through that whole system? So I hand deliver it through his post slot. So now I'm like, okay. This is going to go one of two ways. <laughs> it's going to work out because he understands, or he's going to say, please don't come stalk me anymore. Uh, this is weird. And luckily, he gave me a call back, and he said, oh, sorry, that number has been screwy, whatever. Let's do it in a day or two. Come on over. Mm -hmm. And uh, it worked out. He nice. came over, and uh, yeah, everything was fine. What is that? Mm. What is that? We're getting, is that my soul aura music <laughs> that I produce when I get excited? Yeah, we're probably going to have to cut this part. Sorry, guys. Is that is cool. something that went on here or what? 
Oh, the oh, radio. It's the bonus track on oh that Jarvis. God. Oh my God, that's <laughs> oh, awesome! Interrupted by oh, it's that's so nineties, a secret that's hidden great. track. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. I was really. That's a long one. That's really wow. weird. Oh my God, that's that's kind of fantastic. Because yeah, because sometimes we have you know we're obviously in Bushwick and sometimes you have no yeah, neighbors through the so wall. So I was just like, but I'm like that doesn't. It was doesn't, too clear. Yeah, it was too clear. It was like, well, I don't know that we need to cut that. Anyways, Whatever. That's cool. Is it still so, rolling or what? Of course. All right. So, so, so you so Dwayne, he gets it. So he, he gets, gets it. Um, he says, come on over. I do come on over. It's uh, two days before Christmas. And here's the guy I've wanted to meet for so long. We go down to um, his kind of uh, the downstairs area. We sit across from each other. I brought him some Christmas cookies. And for an hour and a half, I just got to ask him all the questions that I wanted to, like, what do you think happens when we die? Oh, you know, no. or specific things about his work or things mm. like that. And he was really fantastic and candid and told mm. me all these things. And then he showed me some new work that he was doing. Mm. And uh, and then at some point he said, what time is it? What time is it? Mm. And I looked at my watch. I said, oh, it's 445. He's like, oh, you've got to go. You've got to go. And I said, do you mind signing a few books? Mm. And he said, sure. And the first one that he signed he signed it, Tim, go away, exclamation <laughs> points. Nice, nice. And so uh, I had included that page in my book when mm -hmm. I was making it, but the book didn't have a title. Mm -hmm. And that page was about six or seven pages deep in my book. And so when I'd show people the dummy, they would always laugh mm -hmm. when they got to that page. I said, oh, what are you laughing at? They're like, uh, Tim, go away. And mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, Tim, go away. So that's how it became the cover mm -hmm. and nice. the, the title, rather, for the book. So that was the start of meeting Dwayne. So the 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 book mixes a lot of things. The correspondence are in there. There's, there's a documentation, even like sending. You know, you got the one. Um, this is Facebook, like Facebook. Yeah, sure. Or, oh. so or an Instagram, the, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, screen yeah. grab or something like, like that. It. Right. So it's a portrait. It's a portrait of Dwayne Michaels. It's you kind of like busting through your boundaries. And I think, like you said before, that it's a love letter too. And I think that's very. I think. I don't want to say maybe brave, but like there's a thing we have these obsessions with an artist and every artist has them, every photographer has it. And there's a lot of times where it's like, well, you kind of keep your influences a little subdued. You don't want to be that kind of like yeah. gung-ho about it. You went in the complete opposite direction. You're like, listen, this is a reality most every photographer, every artist has. They have their idols, they have their gods. And he's like, I'm going to treat them exactly how I feel. So I feel like there's that kind of like direct honesty that you might not get sometimes when artists are talking about the artists that have really meant a lot to them. And to me, it's like there's a, it's, it's, it's kind of like startling to some degree too, because you're talking very casually about like stalking this man, you know, it's and, there is that, and there is that yeah. edge where it can go to like, you know, maybe Tim is not right in the head. And how does this go? <laughs> and I think that's what actually makes it kind of like pushing on that boundary and saying like that boundary exists. Everyone knows it's there. So why not just, you know, make a fact of it because any person can, like, an infatuation can turn into a weird obsession. Sure. Like, because I watch a lot of like true crime stuff, and like, it's all how oh, it always yeah. happens. You can, but yeah, see you, how that develops. You can see it. Right. So I think like just putting that right out front, being like that's part of it, is kind of like what makes. What chapter are we in? What chapter are we in? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, with the obsession. Exactly. Oh right. Well, the yeah. the um, you're. You're absolutely right. I think that most photographers have somebody where they're like, oh, I really connect with so-and-so and that person mm -hmm. got me started. And that is really important. I don't know that other, 
Other career choices have that. I'm sure other, you know, art disciplines certainly have that. But I think everybody has that, somebody they really connect with. Mm -hmm. And this explores that. So it says that it's really like a book about Dwayne Michaels. Mm -hmm. But if you read it, obviously, it's really about me. Mm-hmm. Now, I found when I was making this book, there were times early on where I'm like, what am I doing? What is this? Are there even, is there enough material to do this? You know, I never ever intended anybody to see those letters. As an obsessive photographer, mm-hmm. I scanned in every letter or almost every letter before I sent it just to have it for my own records, but I never did it, mm-hmm. you know, in a pre-exploitive way to say, oh, I'm going to use these for something. I just mm-hmm. kept it for myself. Mm-hmm. So showing the letters are kind of difficult because people are really going to read them. You know, they're they're very personal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So with this book, um, here's what I determined were the cons and the pros of making this book. Mm-hmm. The cons were that by putting all of my energy into making this book for like two years and for obsessing about Dwayne for several years mm-hmm. were that it gets me farther away from my own work. It's easy to delay making your your work mm-hmm. by saying like, oh, I love this person's work and I'll make it my little mission to kind of fetishize this and buy the books and, and this gives me tasks mm-hmm. to do and it, it feels like I'm doing something, but I'm not really making my own work by doing that. Um, also, it, you know, says that for me, this is getting very therapeutic therapy base, but uh, everybody is more important and makes amazing good work, but my work isn't really good, but I'm really, you know, putting this person on a pedestal and that's this wonderful, um, amazing work. And I'm not going to get to that point the more that I fetishize and, and, you know, make this person into some unobtainable God of, you know, creating uh, interesting photographs or content. Um, and it reinforces that making good work like Dwayne has or a lot of other photographers is unobtainable, you know, the more that I was obsessing. So that was the con. And I was getting a little nervous of that. And then the pros were the good thing about this book is that it's literally the truest expression of me right now. Mm. You know, if you know me and you, you read this book, you don't have to know me personally. If you read this book, you'll get a really good sense of who I am literally at the core of me because mm-hmm. it's very honest. That wasn't, I was getting a dry mouth. I wasn't <laughs> crying. If you hear this, <laughs> and don't see, it's yeah. very honest, <laughs> you know, um, it's as honest as to me, it's as honest mm-hmm. as something can be this book. Mm-hmm. The words, the text in there are literally my brain. I show you exactly how I think and how obsession works, but why you would connect with somebody and why you do love things. Um, there are photos in there that are obviously, that's my work. They're my photos of mm-hmm. Dwayne and my photos of things that I've created. Um, and it's, you can see the, the battle between, um, you know, this kind of lower self-esteem that I'm not as good mm-hmm. as these people, so mm-hmm. I'll fetishize them and perfectionism. Mm-hmm. You know, this seems perfect to me. My work isn't perfect. You know, this is mm-hmm. some of the reasons why I made the book. Sure, sure. And it's like, I mean, it, obviously, you know, if we take a step back, you are good. You, you make your living in photography. You've been doing this forever. You're a competent picture maker. You like you you know how to do all these things. So there's like all of that kind of like it, it does. It's not. It's not like you're. I don't want to disparage maybe like an art student who's just coming out and they yeah. want, want to do something that's like you know clever to make a splash. Forever. No, you've been making pictures for a long time, and we can even go back to. Um, the first little zine that you brought, I don't have it sitting here, but that was in the 90s, you moved to New York City. Right. And you started documenting the electron, underground electronic music. So what 
what drew you to that? I mean, that, because this is, so we go to this very conceptual oriented book, and these are black and white documentary photos that you're making, you know, in a very traditional way. Right. So what kind of, when you got to New York, what brought you into that scene? So this, I moved to New York in, uh, I went to a small state school mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania, Kutztown University. Mm -hmm. It was great. Two photo professors. I still talk to one of them, maybe once a year. Mm -hmm. I talk to my other photo professor, like, honestly, at least once a month. Mm -hmm. We're still really close. Wow. So um, it was a great school to learn photography. I leave there. I moved to New York in 1994. Mm -hmm. And um, I get my first job. I had to, you know, scour the New York Times to try and find a job. Mm -hmm. And my first job is at a bookstore called A Photographer's Place, oh, wow. run by a crazy guy named Harvey Zucker. Uh -huh. And for a long time, it was pretty much the only place you could go to get photo books. He would send out like a, a newsprint, you know, mm -hmm. thing that would go to, to whoever subscribed with tiny little print and all the tiny little photos of the books, you know, all in black and white. But um, as my first job, Bruce Davidson would walk in the store or... Robert Frank or everybody who I loved, and I'd be like, oh my God, look who it is. You know, this <laughs> tiny store is so exciting. Yeah. But it also gave me, <clears throat> excuse me, a really uh, good education on what an uh, out-of-print book is and what things are worth and who's making what work. So I'm working at that bookstore, and I'm living in Williamsburg in 1994. Mm. That's the ultimate street cred. You can <laughs> yeah, yeah. Williamsburg in 1994, <laughs> yeah, yeah. pioneer. Well, New York City in the 90s, even. Yeah, yeah. I, even, was... I follow some, you know, there's, I follow some crusty 40 something year old media people on Twitter, and they're always like, New York in the 90s. You'll just never understand millennials, you know? <laughs> so I think it's, you know. Well, and, and again, and I, that's a good point mm -hmm. because in the foreword of the book that you're talking about, mm -hmm. I wrote about pre-internet New York versus post-internet New York. And that's what that little mm. book is about, those DJ photos. You know, I was, um, the first person that I met was a DJ in Williamsburg. And I thought, oh, I'm going to move here and meet all these other photographers. I didn't. It just didn't happen. The people that I met were DJs. Mm -hmm. So I connected with them because we loved the same music mm. and became a, immersed in this subculture of like jungle music or experimental electronic music, sound lab parties, mm -hmm. stuff like that in the 90s. And I would go there because they're my friends and it was all word of mouth or somebody would just hand you a flyer. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas now obviously everybody knows everything that's going on. I feel like there are fewer subcultures mm -hmm. or niches like that because there's a wide variety of the people who are showing up to things. Whereas here, I would show up and see somebody, you know, um, every Friday night whose first name I might know, or I didn't know their name at all. And a track would come on and I just point to the speaker and look at them like, yeah, you know why this is good, right? And, you know, you <laughs> yeah. hear that same sound, right? And they look at me like, look, I couldn't get it more than you get it. You know, like we're, <laughs> it was so wonderful because we were there as a niche because it was a subculture. Mm. So I'm in this subculture and I'm the only one taking pictures. Mm. Now, for those of you listening at home who might be in the age range of 20 to 29, <laughs> imagine going somewhere and being the only person to have a recording device on them. Literally, that was me. And it felt nice because that gave me a role. I would be, I would have been shooting it anyway, but I loved shooting it, loved being, I'm the guy who will take photos and maybe give you some, and I, I'm documenting this. Sometimes I would take an audio recorder 
an audio cassette recorder. <laughs> and I'd just hide it somewhere and do ambient oh, recordings wow. of what was wow. going on. And I'd remember like, oh, has it been 45 minutes? I got to go flip that <laughs> tape. I'd have to walk over there and flip the tape. So um, I ended up doing that for seven years. Wow. I became super obsessed with photographing DJs. Mm -hmm. I had a list that had maybe like 50 or 60 names. I would scour you know, flyers and things. If somebody was coming to town, I didn't shoot before. Even if I didn't want to do it, I was so weirdly obsessed that I had to go out and, you know, add them to the list, you know, at like one in the morning on a Tuesday and still trying to hold down wow. my day job. Wow. So that's what I was doing. I ended up um, on the weekends as the house photographer at this club called Twilo over in the Meatpacking District, mm -hmm. which was an enormous club. Um, and I was doing that kind of things. In the 90s, especially the late 90s, electronic music was really super huge. Mm -hmm. You know, it was really, big clubs were a big deal in New York. And So did that, that lead to gigs, to, to paid <coughs> gigs where you're shooting covering it? I would be, yes, I would be holding down my day job, but I would also be submitting them to like electronic music magazines and trying to get them out there a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, literally mailing somebody some slides mm -hmm. or things like that, mm -hmm. you know, figuring out a way to connect with people and to get the work out there. So at what point did you, did you kind of like, okay, I have to, I want to be making pictures for a living. This is what I want to do. I don't want to, you know, no, how did you yeah. kind of transition into becoming a working photographer? So I had worked at, um, I started off after the bookstore working at little photo archives. Mm -hmm. And then I found my way into small publications as a photo editor and then the last full-time job I've held mm -hmm. was being the photo editor at FHM Magazine, mm -hmm. which um, was uh, like a competitor to Maxim Magazine, which mm -hmm. in the early 2000s, late 90s, was a lads magazine, mm -hmm. which were super huge. <laughs> yeah. There was so much yeah. money in magazines, you can't believe it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was such a fun place to work as a photo editor. But I was getting portfolios and looking mm -hmm. at, uh, at them and thinking, Either, oh, my work is better than this. <laughs> or yeah. very often, oh, my God, I want to be doing what this person's mm, doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was Michael Schmeling. Mm. Love Michael's photography. Awesome. So good. He was the guy who I saw his book and I'm like, oh, my God, you can put an environment next to a portrait. Mm -hmm. That sounds really, you know, easy to do now. And But back then, he was the first person I saw who was bringing a book of these weird environmental portraits. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to do what Michael's mm -hmm. doing. Like, this mm -hmm. is great. So I left that job and decided, like, okay, I'm going to start. It's probably like 30. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to start down at the bottom of the, you know, the rung and just try and like scrape it together and go back up and be a full time photographer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's now your, and that was. Uh, but I think I remember reading like 2002, right? Yeah, so yeah, like somewhere, around, somewhere yeah, around exactly. There. So you've been, right. So I left 2001, 2002, right? So now you've been in the game for a while. You've been in the New York City editorial world, and I know there's a lot of people listening. Like, how do you kind of? Because I've never met an editorial photographer who isn't the most stressful photographer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's you must be stressed out because it's, it's a hustle and a half. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. hustle and a half, and it never, it's never stopped. Doesn't matter how successful you like. Talking about Andrew Hetherington. Yeah. You know, top of the game. This guy's like, you know, a hustler who a is hustler. not arrogant. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yes, he's really smart and knows that like this is tough, and he's humble and does a great mm -hmm. job. And you can never really stop. I mean, even you can have tons of Instagram followers, be wildly successful, and you still have to go out and hunt 
get that next job because right, right. you never know. So how? I mean, I don't know if I want to make you give advice, no, but no, how do you how do you yeah. keep it? How do you like kind of maintain that hustle and like how do you you, you have, hunting for your jobs? You have like a stable of clients that kind of go back to what is the that is the a mechanics? really it's an important yeah. question because I feel like all of these things again like the book which is really revealing and mm-hmm. I show letters and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, I think it's important for everybody to discuss these things mm-hmm. openly mm-hmm. because who cares? Yeah. You know, like yeah. we're, we all know what the end of this story is, whether <laughs> you're 85 or the car, you know, <laughs> screeches around the corner too fast right, tomorrow. Right. Not to bring it down too, <laughs> too deep, but <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a few steady clients mm-hmm. that I, that I, you know, obviously treasure. Um, I don't hustle for as much editorial mm. anymore because um, I would certainly love to have it. But I feel like um, the cost of living is so high in New York. You have to figure out something that you can shoot that's hopefully a little niche mm-hmm. that brings in revenue um, so you can keep going. I've shot some good um, healthcare ads mm. in the past. I have some really good PR clients um, who do where it's it's – it's not advertorial, but maybe the pay scale is what advertorial mm-hmm. would be, and they're kind of like those type of jobs. Um, and I'd rather have jobs where you would maybe never see them, where right. there's no recognition, as opposed to like a high-profile magazine job, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that I can take that money and kind of figure out where mm-hmm. I'm going from now mm-hmm. in terms of making more photo right. books, which I like, and kind of exploring mm-hmm. that side. So you're really more in the commercial world these days. Yeah, a little yeah. bit more in that in that area, mm-hmm. but still certainly hustling like everybody yeah, else, yeah, yeah. you know, everybody takes all kinds of weird jobs to like make it work uh-huh, out, uh-huh. you know? So yeah, I had, a, I don't want to name his name, but I had one photographer and he's like, listen, Brian, the way guys, you know, guys, me and this other guy make our money, like you will never see those pictures online. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never yeah, see right. it at our website. You know, we have our portfolio and we go and we do it. And like, that's he's like, that's how I would like to keep it. And it's like, I have my, you know, art stuff and these things online, but like the stuff where I make the money, you're not going to see it. And I think there's something kind of interesting to that, like dichotomy as well, too. You know, um, you some get to see them when they're having fun rather than yeah. at work. Yeah. yeah well, right. I, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't, it's like any kind of like these days, like the boundaries, you know, editorial, it's just, you know, I work in that industry on a different kind of side of it, but still involved in like, you know, that there's just the economics of it are it doesn't it doesn't no. compute these days, no. right? And then you kind of think of it on the commercial side and you're kind of like, whoa, how there's such an imbalance between what a, a publication can do and what a huge brand can do. And now these days they're even doing the same type of content. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of have this like struggle, I think, for talk because it's like, well, it's editorial in style, but it's actually commercial. You Which, know? if we're getting really specific, mm-hmm. um, I sometimes teach a business of photography class at FIT, mm. and I really reinforce to students the idea of usage. You know, like you really have to know, like that's the first question I ask anybody who gives me an assignment, where are these photos going to be used? Mm-hmm. And perpetuate the idea of usage. That I that that type of price structure will die off. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has is to. dying off. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because wow. the less people know about it, the the easier it goes away. But 
the idea of usage is that, okay, the price is this if you're going to use it as editorial content, mm -hmm. or the price is this if you're going to use it as a social media ad campaign, mm -hmm. or you're going to use it as a print ad campaign, those kind of things. Obviously, you, you guys mm -hmm. know this, but that is something that, you know, I'm very smart about. I'm really pretty yeah. good at negotiating mm -hmm. contracts and educating even my clients about like, mm -hmm. okay, what's the usage and here's what this would be and this is why and stuff like that. And so that, that kind of works in my favor. The difference is like thousands of dollars. Yeah, too. exactly. It's and I know that other people who are, if they got the call for the job, would maybe do it for 10% of the amount or 20% I mean, of the amount that I'm doing it for because they think everything's a day rate or something. Right. You're it not thinking about it is. the value of the pictures mm -hmm. and the usage. Exactly. And, and I... I feel like, you know, I teach my students, you should be able to justify it mm -hmm. by saying, okay, why is it so expensive? The client asks, you say it's so expensive because I have 15 years experience. I'm really good at this. Here are examples of my work. Mm -hmm. I'm very good at interacting with the client. I'm an easygoing person. I come up with ideas to kind of help you out. It's not like you point at something and I shoot it. You have to justify yeah. the, the usage and your, your value, et cetera. Absolutely. So that's kind of what helps get me through... Um, Hopefully, decent paying jobs. <laughs> yeah, so I can go back to well, making still, weird, self-absorbed yeah. photo books. Yeah, exactly. That is you're life. Still, you're still weird in New books. York. I think we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about some of those uh, books that you brought that kind of kicked it off. And Sounds we'll good. Circle back to a few other things as well. We'll be back in a second. Starting with the sound of an ejecting polo. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very that, good oh, that, That's exciting, I'm going to guess, to 98% of the listeners. Well, it doesn't. It has a mind of its own. It always has to interject itself into the, the huh. podcast. Because I forget to turn it off, and then it... I don't like oh, this yeah, book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It withdraws. <laughs> so we have a few books here that you brought. Very good books. Excellent. And It was, by the way, very tough to choose. Again, oh, yeah, I'm sure I... Loved collecting books ever since a, a photographer's place. So, so let's. Um, I think we'll we'll start with we'll we'll start with your Robert Frank book here because okay. I think this is important. It says Robert Frank, thank you. So why why did you bring this book? So what's this um, book all about? The Robert Frank Thank You book uh, was published by Scalo. I'm gonna guess that book is probably like uh, 17 or 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a beautiful book and it's all postcards, uh, maybe a letter or two, but mostly these kind of visual handmade postcards that different photographers had sent Robert Frank over the years, mostly to his address, mm -hmm. um, in Bleecker Street, seven Bleecker Street, some of them to his address in Nova Scotia. But there are some notable people in there, uh, like... Jim Goldberg sent him a postcard, or Louis Foyer, or Walker Evans, Ralph Gibson, um, Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac. So it's kind of great. Mm -hmm. And I brought it because I think I, I love that book. I bought that book 
I think the year that I moved to New York. Mm, and when wow. I saw that Frank's address was there at 7 Bleecker Street, can anybody at home guess what I did? <laughs> uh, I went to 7 Bleecker Street uh -huh. and I stood outside Robert Frank's address for about two hours, waiting for him to emerge. Mm -hmm. Finally, he did come out with his wife and I took a no-flash picture from across the block that nobody could see. Mm -hmm. And I followed him for about a block and a half, wow. maybe two blocks. Wow. And I got to the end of two blocks and I was like, what's the end game here, Soda? <laughs> you know, like, where's this going to go? Yeah. But yeah. I think it's really important because that was, you know, my first year in New York and I was stalking somebody. I didn't really, really stalk Dwayne so much. I mean, a little bit, but not mm -hmm. to some sort of even approaching nefarious degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with Robert Frank, I was, again, it's a connection. Mm -hmm. I was just so excited to be like, oh my God, this person that I lives, mm -hmm. or that I like, he lives there. Like mm -hmm. you, you could go and see him, you know, it, it was kind of that thing. But the book on its own is really a beautiful book. It's printed really well. Mm -hmm. um, you can see, again, other people who connected with Frank are writing him and saying, mm -hmm. hey, I really like your work. Some are people that know him personally. Mm -hmm. Some are people that are just uh, fans. Mm -hmm. And you can find this book rather inexpensively on, you know, Amazon used or some places. So if you find that you like it, it's really not that expensive to dig up. Yeah, it's up. weird. You know, f uh, poor Robert Frank. Poor Robert Frank. It's yeah. so, I mean, he's just tied to the Americans, right? And like, right. well, it's across the board. It's like the American, but he's done so much work and like, it's so much interesting work that like, you know. And films too. And films too. But like, that goes beyond like this one kind of type of photography. I think this is really interesting in turning that like, you know, because a lot of these materials like they're great photos, the postcards, and like the very personal notes to them. But yeah, even, you get like, to see people's letters. Like yeah. my letters, like you know, expressing, "Oh, I like your work," mm -hmm. or "Here's who I am," or "Love to your wife," or whoever. Right. And their photographs and things that they've kind of made. It goes back to like. Mm -hmm. We didn't get too heavily into it, but the, the pre-internet, post-internet New York mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. world, you know, all of these are analog things. There's silver gelatin prints or mm -hmm. stickers or things that are handmade on a piece of mail art right, right. that are, you know, delivered by the post office. It's yeah. all super analog. It's mm -hmm. a slower pace, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to read at the end here. So he says, I have saved these cards over many years. I was touched how many people wanted to tell me their appreciation of what I was doing without asking anything in return. This small book is my way of saying thank you. Nice. Yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah, yeah and he has in the back, you can see all the different people that have sent him yeah. the postcards. Yeah, it is. It's a nice little... Any names we know in there? Of course, yeah. There's... Um, like you said, Jack Kerouac, um, Jim Goldberg. Yeah. I'm trying to see. Walker Evans. Walker yeah. Evans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then a bunch of people I don't know. But like <laughs> yeah, they might, yeah, they yeah. might be insanely famous. Who knows? You know, Charlie Murphy. Oh, Peter Orlovsky. So that's Allen Ginsberg's um, partner. Yeah, you get a lot of the beats in there. Yeah. There's a lot, and there's actually a lot of um, Asian photographers, too. Huh. I can tell by the name. You know, Ralph Gibson. Yeah, I think it's it's just it's and it's a different type of photo book. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, I think there are a lot of you know. Look, the market is saturated mm -hmm. with photography books, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of them um, are not worthy of being books. Mm. Which is yes, be, me being very critical. <laughs> but um, I think a lot of photographers don't have a criteria. Mm -hmm. And they don't think about who's the audience for this. Mm -hmm. Now, there are two ways of thinking about this, and I, and I have equal respect for both ways. The mm -hmm. first way is that 
look, publish a book of whatever your photographs are that mm -hmm. came out of your mm -hmm. brain and that's how you connect with these things and whoever gets it, gets it. And there is an audience and they'll find your book. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't connect with a lot of Japanese photography books, mm -hmm. but I certainly have a lot of friends that do, mm -hmm. but it's just not work that I can connect with. Oftentimes mm -hmm. I see... Um, a book, and I'm like, these are just these grainy black and white <laughs> photographs yeah. where the the subject isn't mm -hmm. meaningful. It's more about the process and the repetition mm -hmm. as I see it, and I can't connect with this, but somebody did, and that's one way yeah. of thinking. Yeah. The other way of thinking, the other path is that you make books um, with the criteria. You know, why, why should I make this book? Why mm -hmm. should this be a book? Mm -hmm. My criteria for making a book is... When I look at it on my bookshelf and I see, you know, a book that I've purchased, mm -hmm. not my book, but a book, book that I've purchased, I want to look and I want to see the spine of that book a year later and think, oh, my God, mm -hmm. that one. I mm -hmm. haven't looked at that in a while mm -hmm. and pulled off the shelf and really live with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like so many books you see at book fairs and things like that, you look at it, you hold it in your hands, you go through it mm -hmm. one time. And you don't even have to buy it. Mm -hmm. You've literally yeah, absorbed sure. all the information. Sure. It's not photographs that you want to revisit mm -hmm. and invest your $70 mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can only afford so many mm -hmm. photo books. You're selective. Mm -hmm. So people need to have a, I would say, a tighter criteria mm -hmm. in order for us all to make maybe some better mm -hmm. photo books. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is something that comes up. It's like the, it's the too many arguments. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, so what are the LPV photo book standards? My stand, I mean, to me, I think to, I, I'm in favor of more because and for the one single reason is that for so long, photo books in the publishing industry has been the domain of like a certain segment of you know, the photography community and it's like very tightly controlled and that just by its own nature just marginalizes people. So even there is a lot of stuff being published, but the fact is that a lot of people that could never get their stuff published can now do it and you have yeah. the diversity of voices. So I agree. to mm -hmm. me, I would rather put up with some of the... <laughs> sure, the and again, stuff. this is you such know, a first world problem. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We need <laughs> Senator, we need less photo books <laughs> yeah. in our country. Yeah. There are only so many eyes and dollars to go around. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah, Everybody yeah, should yeah. have whatever they want. Like, yeah. I, I get it. And that is the other path. Mm -hmm. You know, I just say if we're being critical, and I don't think people are usually very critical about uh, photography books. There, there nice should be a book. criteria. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you did yours, and I will see it, and you, I did mine, and you will see it. Yeah. But, you know, a deeper discussion about things. Why should this be a book? Do you connect mm -hmm. with this? What's your criteria? You well, know, who's your audience? Yeah, yeah. who's your audience w would make for an interesting conversation, yeah. especially because there are so many photography books. Yeah, yeah And like yeah, I yeah. said, there are books out there that I just don't connect with, but mm -hmm. other people do. Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. just, you know, your... Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, my opinion. It's, it's like how many, it's you know, same thing with TV shows. You know, yeah. TV shows. yeah, right. But we'll move on. So the next, we're going to go back to now. So Dwayne Michaels now becoming then, and this is, what is this kind of his so retrospective book? Now, now becoming then is, it's a, it's a collection of things. There's new material in here mm -hmm. at the time that it was published mm -hmm. in the 90s. Um, and then there's some old favorites in there. A beautiful thing about this book is mm -hmm. that it's a Twin Palms book, and Twin Palms has published maybe five or six of his books. They are known for doing these beautiful black and white mm -hmm. photogravure mm -hmm. prints that really have a quality and a life of their own. The other nice thing about this book is that, you know, the the pieces of 
his that are in this book that may have appeared in previous books are printed at like a, a different size in this mm -hmm, book. Maybe mm -hmm. it's a little larger. It's this photogravure. You can see it a little better. It's a different quality than mm -hmm. 20 years ago when the printing wasn't as nice. Um, but it's a really good survey book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it was tough to pick just one. Almost all of my books from that I have of Dwayne's are signed. And... I always like it when I ask him to sign a book because it's always going to be something different. Uh -huh. You know, in this book, I asked him to sign it on this page uh, that was um, uh, Henri Clouseau. He, mm -hmm. he was a director. He directed uh, Wages of Fear, this mm -hmm. wonderful film. Uh, you can watch it on Criterion. And I love this photo. It's uh, this French director, and he's exhaling smoke from a cigarette. And it's blowing back in the opposite direction in his face, but <laughs> it has this weird dignity. Um I bought this book as I do many books off of Amazon. You know, I got it for a discounted price. It was a used book, but in great condition. And on the spine, and this book appears in, in my own book, on the spine, mm -hmm. there is a sticker, a yard sale sticker that says 50 cents. Mm. So, uh, which I love, and I think Dwayne would like it. It's ridiculous. Like, the book is worth way more than 50 cents. <laughs> um, but when I was helping him clear out his summer home that he had had for 40 years, he mm -hmm. just sold it last year. Oh, wow. There were a few things that I got to take, and one of them was just lying around. It was a little tag that he had used, I think, for a yard sale or something, mm -hmm. and it said 50 cents in Dwayne's <laughs> handwriting. It was just a coincidence. Wow, wow. So I keep that with the book, and it kind of mm -hmm. raises the importance of this book uh, in terms of in terms of its its importance as an object. Mm -hmm. It becomes a fetishized, unique object. The mm -hmm. book has a fifty cent sticker. I found a picture of Dwayne's, mm -hmm. you know, that has. Yeah, I, I found a tag of Dwayne's in his own handwriting that has this fifty cent label. I marry them together, and then the book for me has this strange fetishized mm -hmm. value as an object beyond just being a book. Mm -hmm. Now, all of that is me just kind of making up fantasy things, but <laughs> that's pretty much everything. That's life is making yeah. up fantasy things yeah, and making yeah. these connections and revering things for a specific reason. Well, that's, I mean, to him, you know, I like, he, I have kind of a conflicting relationship with, a lot of times he's not my favorite, but like when I see something, like I think what changed is when I saw the, um, the Egypt, the uh, building the pyramid book, and you—I think you brought oh, that. Oh yeah, how to build a pyramid. Like, that was like when I saw that, I was like, "Damn, this is when he really hits on something that's just like, you know, brilliant." I think what I always take away from him is that you again, like, taking the risks and pushing, pushing what you're trying to do, and it doesn't whether that's conceptual photography, documentary photography, whatever it is, like that message is like dead on that you can't. Like, no artist worth their salt can be complacent. Like, you, and I was thinking about this the other night, too, that you always, like, you, if you know what you're doing, I think there's something, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> like, when you start a project, like, I, I, and I you think mean when you're too self aware? When you're too self aware, you know exactly how it's, you want it to be. Maybe, maybe I'm missing some aspect of conceptual art, but I feel like if it's not, you're going out into the unknown, into yourself or into the world and, and making it as you go. I think that's where the best art comes from rather than like I have this detailed kind of like right. thing that I want to do. And I think we, that yeah. always resonates from from Michael's like, I don't know if this is going to work or what I'm going to do, but I'm going to go and do it and find out in the process. Embrace the unknown. But that kind of goes into kind of what you're saying by some of the books that shouldn't be books. And I feel like what the issue is that I have is that they they start out like, okay, this project's going to be 
this, I'm going to this place, I'm going to document this community, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be a book. And like everything is like predetermined and pre-planned out. And that's to me where a lot of the books sometimes fall short. It just it feels so packaged that there was no element of exploration. There was no kind of like digging into it. So going back to kind of what you're saying, like what is my criteria? I mean, it, a lot of times if it feels like it's overly packaged and that there was no kind of like you know, investigation, investigation or whatever it is into that, it comes off. And sometimes it's a very intangible thing where it's just like, all of these photos are perfectly made. They're beautiful, large format, crisp and whatever, but like it just falls flat. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. there's no, there is that, that mystery doesn't exist in it. So I think when he had his first show mm -hmm. of the sequences, he had it in a small gallery in New York. There certainly weren't a whole lot of photography mm -hmm. galleries. I think there's maybe one, the light gallery, maybe. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. You would have to fact check that. He has this, <laughs> he has this show. He shows the sequences for the first time. Um, Gary Winogrand and I think it was Joel Meyerowitz mm -hmm. show up. And they walk out. <laughs> yeah. They walk out loudly and they yeah. say, no, this isn't photography. Uh, yeah. And they, they left and, uh -huh. and really, you know, uh, made a statement saying this, this isn't photography. And it was, yeah. a, it was a big deal. They were, uh -huh. they were upset about that. Uh -huh. So obviously, like you were saying, he was on something uh -huh. because he was doing something that people hadn't done before. And now I think people have a, you know, a little bit of a different view of it. It's, it's obviously way more accessible yeah. in this era and then. But going back to something else that you had said, um, I think there are a lot of photographers who don't um, use photography to investigate, which mm. it really should. And we had a little pre-talk about this uh, while we were uh, before we got on air. We were talking about you know somebody who's taking photographs, where you can see that you know it's very easy in your brain to take a picture mm -hmm. and not analyze why you took that photo. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times, if you do, you can get to the conclusion that. Yeah, I took that photo because it certainly looks like a Stephen Shore photograph. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like you're going out looking for photographs based on how photographs should look. Mm -hmm. And you feel like this is a success because mm -hmm. I've seen this before mm -hmm. and this is me doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And that feels good. But that really doesn't do anybody any good. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 a little bit lazy mm -hmm. because photography takes a lot of work. And it's the one medium where you can do something in a 200th of a second mm -hmm. and then spend a year figuring out why you did that yeah, one thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't accidentally paint a great uh -huh, painting. Uh -huh. I mean, I, I guess you could. <laughs> you could, yeah. It's probably pretty difficult. Yeah. You can accidentally take a really amazing photograph mm -hmm. if you have the... the the, the, I don't want to say the talent, mm -hmm. if you can sit down and look at it and say, okay, why did I take this? What makes mm -hmm. this a good photograph? Mm -hmm. You have to be a good editor and, right. and kind of arrive at that. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I was, who I was talking to somebody the other night, whereas I, I get 10, 15 rolls back and I don't, you know, a lot of the stuff I know, okay, I made it. And then it's like, I find the one surprise where it's like, I just took that photo. I don't really remember it or what have you, but it's everything kind of comes together and it connects it. And it's like almost like cultivating the mistakes. And we've talked about before is like, you're looking for those specific kind of things where somehow yeah. you did something different or that picture doesn't exist in your archive. But I think you have to, think, again, it depends on like how you make pictures. Like I'm a picture, I make a lot of pictures and every single picture is brand new. How do, and I, I ask myself all the time, how do you make a photograph? Yeah. How do you actually make a photo? <laughs> and like every single time, doesn't matter how many you made in the past, you still got to make the next one. That means you got to like, what are you putting in the frame? And it goes back to what you're talking about, Dwayne Michael. Every single thing in the frame matters. And like that's such an important lesson. Like no matter what, every single element, every el 
blade of glass, every like sparkle of light, every single thing. And like to me, it's like that's always making that photo is like a mysterious process. And, like you have to do it. And if for me, focusing on that kind of like very zen aspect of it, it's just like it's it's liberating because it's hard to make yeah. good photographs. Yeah, you know? I think the yeah. best ones are the ones that almost got away. Right. And the ones where you're mm-hmm. trying to answer that question, how how did I make mm-hmm. this photograph? And you're like, I don't know. Like yeah. all these things kind of came together and I was there and I I had the nerve to do it yeah. something about it. And how do you not make Oh, yeah. How do you get away from being like, oh, yeah, that's good because it's a Tim Soto photograph. Right. right. Yeah. You know, or are you like, yeah. oh, that looks like my work, so that's mm-hmm. good. At what point do you say, that one really bothers me and makes me uncomfortable. I would never show that. Maybe I should look maybe at that should, a little yeah, stronger. Yeah. You know, I took it for a reason. Mm-hmm. I don't really connect with it now, but maybe that's good because mm-hmm. there's something about it that's kind of stirring me, even yeah. if it's negative. But there's so much of so much of these, you know, and I think like, you know, so many we're always we're dealing with so many different tropes these days and like if you're a conscious aware photographer of what's going on you need to kind of understand yes i'm shooting with a mamiya 7 in portrait color like these kind of landscapes it's in within a tradition mm-hmm. it is ha- you know there are you got to know kind of what you're doing and work with the trope and i think like Dwayne Michaels works with the tropes amazingly well, right? Like he understands at a very, you know, like specific level, like how you use a photograph, what it can be done. And I think like that's, we've seen that way of working is like so important these days because every single photograph has been made. I mean, you can make the most brilliant light, but like how you put them together and like how you use the tropes is. How you push yourself within that too. But even just understand, like you go back to, it's like you couldn't all make, all Stephen Shore photos, but you could put the way you sequence them, the way you do this thing, and it's like it could become something new. So I think it's like, you know, nothing under the sun, you know, it's, it's all been done before. And I think like, you know, looking at his work, I, you really kind of like, it's how you use those very specific tropes of photography to make something new. You know? What's kept Dwayne a little bit uh, out of uh, much larger success, let's mm-hmm. say like Cindy Sherman mm-hmm. or, or other photographers that have more of a name, their, their work sells for a higher price, mm-hmm. is that he does constantly refresh it and change it. Mm-hmm, you know, he mm-hmm. was, he's known for his black and white photographs, but he certainly moved into color. He's yeah. worked a little bit with digital manipulation for mm-hmm, fun. He's mm-hmm. painted on photographs. Mm-hmm. He's made the book that you already had another guest bring on, Photo Follies, yes, my yes, favorite, it's great, yes. where he named names of people and said, look, yeah. this, you know, don't never trust a... Um, a photograph that's so large it has to be in a museum. Yeah, you know, yeah, he actually yeah. gave rules yeah, of yeah. what he believes is good photography. Yeah, yeah, that one photograph, and he said, who took this photograph? Was it Stephen Shore? Yeah. Was it Christenberry? Was yeah, it yeah, Eggleston? Yeah. And he went yeah. all the way down to all the possible uh, people that uh-huh. could have taken that photo. And when you turned it upside down like a game book, mm-hmm. this small upside-down answer said, Dr. Duenas. So he's done that. That's his work, mm-hmm. and he's also showing a very funny side of how to examine photography. Exactly. So the next one we're going to get to, Arthur Tress. And now this is kind of a new, general. well, I'll let you explain it because you're also working on a project. Right. So the next book that I will do, it's mm-hmm. it's about 80% done, mm-hmm. is on a photographer, Arthur Tress. He was another one of those photographers who I learned about early on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's friends with Dwayne. They're kind of from the same generation. Maybe mm-hmm. Arthur's maybe 10 years behind Dwayne. But, um, 
I knew Arthur's work, really enjoyed it in school. And about four or five years ago, I was at the PS1 book fair and I was walking around looking at tables and I saw this upside down book that said Arthur Tress and on the cover it had a skateboarding mm -hmm. kid. And mm -hmm. I, that didn't make sense. And I asked the girl behind the table, she was probably like 20, I said, I said, is, is this the Arthur Tress? Mm -hmm. I said, how old is he? And she very slowly looked to her left uh, and I uh -oh. saw this guy there. I said, I said, oh, are you Arthur? <laughs> and she, he said, oh, yes. And I said, Arthur, I didn't mean to be rude. I said, mm -hmm. when, I, when I see this, mm -hmm. I, this isn't what I think of uh, you know, your work as. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, do you know my work? I said, yeah, you're part of the history of photography. Mm -hmm. And so I started talking to him for a little bit. He was visiting from California. And he said, oh, I'm staying here for like four days. Do you want to go out and take some pictures? Oh, and I said, oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that would be really great. So he came over one day to my apartment. We, we looked at my work and he talked about mm -hmm. my work. He signed my Arthur Trust book. Mm -hmm. He gave me an idea for a project, which was interesting. And then we hopped on the subway and went off to Coney Island and walked around and, and took pictures. And from there remained really good friends. Mm -hmm. I visited him um, twice in his uh, place in Big Sur, California. Mm -hmm. he's, mm -hmm. he's there for 24 years. He just recently moved to San Francisco, but mm -hmm. for the last 24 years he's lived in Big Sur. Helped him edit many projects. Mm. Um, but he's a really good friend and a good mentor. Mm. I didn't stalk him like Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a normal yeah. relationship right mm -hmm. off the bat. But um, we talk once a week. And um, yeah, so the book will be about him mm -hmm. and portraits of him and his work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the yeah, that's I could go on and on yeah, about yeah, yeah. about him, but maybe we'll, we should talk about the the book. There's so a the, lot of different types of pictures in this. Yeah, book. yeah. There's a lot. It kind of goes, you know, from portraits. Yeah, it's to a good survey. It's a survey of his stuff. Yeah, there's a lot. I haven't, you know, I haven't seen. I'm obviously familiar with the stuff that I've kind of seen, but this is the first time I've seen one of the books. I mean, the portraits are, are amazing. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I mean, they're they're really strange, and yeah, you really get yeah. to see how s this person's brain works. Yeah, you know, it, shooting stuff in the '60s and the early '70s. Mm -hmm. He had a book called The Dream Collector, mm -hmm, where he'd walk mm -hmm. around and just kind of approach random kids mm -hmm. and get them to enact these strange dreams that kids were having. Now, if mm -hmm. you look at the book now, you're like, you could never do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah and even exactly. he's like, he's like, oh yeah, he's like back then, you know, kids. Parents would send the kids out at like eight in the morning and tell them come back for supper and they mm -hmm. just do whatever they wanted all over yeah. New York City. It was yeah. just a different time. So um, there are these really strange, exotic dream photos mm -hmm. using kids. Mm -hmm. Or there's this series you're looking at where he found, I have to read the text again, it's like an, an abandoned asylum. Yeah. Um, New York's welfare island. Uh, where he he found all these this asylum with unused this mm -hmm. medical equipment, mm -hmm. you know that had been left there, and he went in and in a very detailed way, and a wild way, hand painted all of this stuff, mm -hmm. and then would photograph it and did it all by himself. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. wasn't like there was anybody who was showing up with him or would come by. He did this for like two years, never mm -hmm. got caught or kicked out. Um, yeah, now, wild. if you really think about doing that, that's some crazy behavior. Yeah, that's yeah, way yeah, crazier yeah. than me stalking oh, yeah. somebody I love, <laughs> yeah. you know, to creep yeah. into this medical facility yeah. for two years and paint it to make photos over yeah. and over again yeah. is some unusual behavior. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's got, this is... The fish tank the sonata, fish where he would <laughs> lug around yeah. a fish tank with um, this strange mm -hmm. paraphernalia that he would put in there, like um, porcelain busts and figurines mm -hmm. and things. 
And he took that all over. He'd say, oh, I would just, you know, I had a little rig and I would take it on the bus and go to different places and mm-hmm. set it up and make these dioramas. You know, people weren't shooting. There are a handful of people who were shooting weird dioramas mm-hmm. or, again, making things for the camera yeah. wasn't yeah. something that was a commonality for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's something that people would do for a long period of time. He was doing that early on. So Arthur Tress to this day mm-hmm. continues to make, how was, he's probably like 74, mm-hmm. 75, mm-hmm. continues to make really strange work, has never stopped making mm-hmm. pictures. So you, so now you had, you did, it's going to be a book on Dwayne Michaels, book on Arthur Tress. Like there's something about, I don't know, what is it? It's kind of like, I don't want to say immortal or like, Again, we say this homage or what? Do you see? Maybe you have a whole series of books about like it's the photographers, art. or or do you feel like this is a kind of a phase? This is going probably through, it. it. Uh-huh. These two guys, just mm-hmm. because I connected with their work mm-hmm. and I managed to meet with them, mm-hmm. and it is the Arthur books more about Arthur. The Dwayne book is mm-hmm. really more about me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I have given this a lot of thought, and I think it comes down to this: I see these guys and they're working art photographers mm-hmm. who are getting by. And one is mid-70s and the other is in his mid-80s. And they're still making really interesting work. Mm -hmm. Um, They're both mentors to me, and I learn a lot from them. And this past year, you know, now Dwayne and I are actually really good friends. Mm -hmm. I've helped him make 10 short films Mm. this whole year, this past year. Mm -hmm. They'll all be shown in mm-hmm. May for nice. for a year so for a month and uh, yeah, yeah so I collaborate yeah, with him yeah. we actually get to work there's mm-hmm. actually a where are they a, showing it's going to be at DC Moore Gallery from cool. the beginning of May through the entire month um, there's a still photograph that corresponds mm-hmm. to each one of the movies that we shot mm-hmm. and in one of the photographs it's Dwayne and I mm-hmm. in a scene where I was the director of photography <laughs> and a co-star. And um, that's the print that's for sale. Wow. So you go from five years ago, I didn't know mm-hmm. Dwayne at all and wrote him a letter, mm-hmm. to now I get to collaborate with him. And in one of the photographs, I'm actually in the photo, which <laughs> oh, wow. is as good yeah. as it gets. Yeah. So no, so I, I connect with these guys mm-hmm. because also none of us know where, where the fu- what the future is. Right. So it's, it's interesting to me to use them mm-hmm. as a bit of a role model to say, hey, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be too bad when I get to be 70 or 80 if this is the life that I'm right. still pursuing right. and this yeah. is how this all plays out. And so maybe there's an aspect of you looking at yourself, like your future, so how you want somebody to maybe like approach you or view your work. Cause I think there is that like, you know, there's so many artists, so many photographers like coming on and doing things and then you get to a certain age and it's like, why does anyone to care about this old person making art? Sure. Or it's just like same thing. It was like those, they're great historical photos, you know what I mean? Or like there's they're stuff they made 50 years ago and, but yet they're still out there making. And I remember, I know Alex Soth is big on saying this, that like most photographers make their best work before they turn 40. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That like after that, you're just, you lose, there's a decline in creativity. And I think about that a lot and I'm like, I my conclusion is that I absolutely don't agree. I think there's something with like maturity and wisdom that something makes you, allows yeah. you to be more open and more receptive to your own creativity. I could have know? never made that Dwayne book like 10 years ago. Right. I didn't have it in me. I think that's the best thing I've ever made. And mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, uh, believe me, I'm not one to toot my own horn. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like that's, that's as honest as mm-hmm. I could make something. Mm-hmm. Whereas other work would have been different and not like that. You know, like mm-hmm. as you hopefully relax and let a lot of things go right. as you get older. I, there's, there's one quote. I had dinner with Dwayne uh, last year and I was at a, not a low point, but a point where I was like, why 
why make photographs? Because mm -hmm. there are millions of them. Why, why do I need to make photographs? Mm -hmm. What's the point? Mm -hmm. The world isn't running out of photographs. Right. Why do I need to make right. them? Yeah. And then I got to the point where I'm like, well, why do anything? I mean, really, <laughs> honestly, like, why, what is the point? Like, why do we get up in the morning? Mm -hmm. what, is, what is the point of all this? And I asked Dwayne that. And without thinking and, and without being rehearsed, he said, oh, no, no. He said, the, the significance is in the doing mm -hmm. and the expression is the reward. And he said, all that we have in life is the doing. It's yep. the doing. That's the thing. He's like, if you think, um, oh, I'm not going to do nudes because Helmut Newton did the most mm -hmm. amazing nudes. Mm -hmm. It's already been done before. Mm -hmm. He's like, there hasn't been nude photography done until you've done it. Right. You're the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. In the history of the universe, mm -hmm. billions of years, there will never mm -hmm. be another person that's mm -hmm. just like you. And unless you do it, it hasn't been done. Yeah. And the expression is the reward. The fact that you get to say something that's, in your brain that's a part of you, you get to let that out and mm -hmm. share it. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter who the audience is. The fact that you get to express it, that's the reward. Mm -hmm. All that we have is the doing, and the expression is the reward. And I thought, oh, shit, that really is it. It like, is, 100%. You have nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Wise one. You I know? mean, that's definitely, I think, yeah. I mean, for me, like, the realization of, like, there's, there's walking around and being out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Queens or wherever I'm working and just, like, having that joy and being there and like I know that this feels right this is why how I want to be spending this moment in time and all I get out of it is a crummy photograph and like there is that <laughs> contradiction it's this beautiful thing where it's like I'm free to go out and do this and like you'll never be able to describe that kind of aspect of the creative process so right. you get the photograph you know what I mean so we're, we're we have to kind of think like you know it's almost sometimes yeah. yeah it's like a cheap it's a cheap uh, take-home from the experience. Yeah, exactly. You can't share the... That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. You can't share an experience with somebody truly, even mm -hmm. if you're having some pretty fantastic sex with somebody, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, it's still what's going on in your brain. That other yeah. person... You are connected with mm -hmm. them. This is going really great. Yeah. It's still the thing that's happening in your brain is unshareable. Exactly. It's, it's personal. Yeah. Um, that book, the Dwayne book, is really how do I show somebody mm -hmm. what excitement means to me? The exactly. books, when I get his books, you know, or was getting all of his books, mm -hmm. it's so exciting. The the joy that I get from mm -hmm. looking at his work and now from working with him and stuff. Now we're on more like a friend level and a peer level. But it's it's still like how do you show somebody what that specific excitement is mm -hmm. to you? They'll never truly know it. I'll never know what is so exciting to you. Even if yeah. you show it to me in photos, you tell me a really good story. So you're trying to your best to show yeah. what excitement is, but it really is in your head. Yeah, and exactly. And I think as an artist, you have to like deeply connect with like that excitement of doing it. Like if you don't. So I think a lot of people, and you see this with Emma, maybe like MFA or people that go and they're so like trained to be an artist, artist, and they just lose the energy. Like they just lose all the joy and passion for it. And it's like, it's not there. I mean, that, that's one thing that you can never, ever lose is that like, I really love doing this. I'm really excited to do it. I want to do it. And like, that's, you know, I think we're, the art ends up emitting like that kind of like, vibrations, if you will, or whatever yeah. it is. And like, that's why so much of it is intangible. It's like, I don't know what makes it, what makes me resonate with, but I can feel the artist or the photographer on the other end simply willed this into being, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I feel like that on your book as well too, where you just kind of like, 
you had to will it into creation, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it I w- didn't take $30,000 and a crew of several people no. to show a standing person at night looking very solemn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Does yeah. anybody know who I'm talking yeah, about at home? Yeah, if yeah. you're keeping score. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's, I, I like the element of obsession and even addiction where there is this kind of like, I'm addicted to making photographs. I know like if I don't make them, like there's something psychologically I don't feel right. So in yeah, obsession kind of runs through a lot of the projects that you're doing. And with the one book we didn't talk about a little bit is where you took your snapshots and scanned them on top of old comic books. Mm-hmm. And I like the way this ties into like two different types of like obsession and collecting and those sorts of things. It's a perfect, yes, it perfectly yeah. goes to what we're talking about because uh, Arthur was over in my apartment mm-hmm. and um, I was showing him these four by six mini prints that I had edited down from 10 years of shooting. Mm-hmm. I would just go around with my Olympus stylus epic camera, huh? the best yeah. camera of all time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. with yeah. Fuji 400 film. Mm-hmm. And... Um, just make photos, but never think about showing them to people. I right. just made them and just made them. So after 10 years, I edited thousands down to about 75 that I mm-hmm. thought were really interesting. Mm-hmm. And they became this collection I called The Ship Escaped. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm showing these to Arthur, and he's like, oh, these are good. He's like, you really like comic books. He's like, what if you just put them like on the cover of the comic book or something? And like he did one or two and showed me. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. And so a little time went by and I tried it and I scanned them all in. And I was like, oh, my God, these are great. Because yeah. it, it shows my favorite photographs, which is, uh, uh, you know, me showing what excites me the most mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. top of these comic books that I've had since I was a kid, uh-huh. which are the most visually exciting things to me. So it's like, to, to me, this is like when peanut butter met chocolate. It's like <laughs> yeah. the most excitement yeah. I can give back to my brain yeah. visually. Yeah. Um, and that's why I really like that book. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like as me as it gets. If you really want to see what excites me the most, mm-hmm. it's this this type of thing. Yeah, when I first saw it, I always remember, it's like, oh, I got all those baseball cards sitting in my... Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Also, my parents like, <laughs> right. what am I... And I saw it, it's like, oh, he went and did something like I'm, I can do. I got to figure this out because it's like, again, I don't know, I feel like any any anything that I keep that I find valuable that I'm going to keep around and some sort of like cultural artifact is like game for <laughs> becoming part of yeah. your art. And I think like... It's what made you. Exactly. You've yeah, got a exactly. team cap on as we are talking <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. Like it's a part of you. No, baseball. Yeah. I mean, that's... I, we did crazy things. We made up entire like leagues of, of vi- video game superstars and like kept score. I mean, like <laughs> crazy stuff. Was, but I got to kind of figure out some way to incorporate. <laughs> like yeah. it takes a lot of things, but like this is like a great, great. And, and if you think about yeah. this, okay, so comic books really mm-hmm. defined me as a person. Mm-hmm. Early comic books um, made me, uh, I think about comic books when I'm photographing. These mm-hmm. white, you know, bordered mini prints mm-hmm. are like single panels mm-hmm. to me that are comic book-like. The comic book is sequential storytelling, who's my favorite photographer who <laughs> yeah. utilizes sequential yeah. storytelling, yeah. Yeah. you know, so it all really ties into mm-hmm. like how I make work. I can trace it back directly to being turned on to comic books as a kid. Exactly. So with your, so the, the publishing company, is that, do you plan on just publishing your own stuff? Is that what it's going to be? Or so you yeah, have- so I, a few months ago, put together a site called mm-hmm. theshipescaped.com mm-hmm. and I sell my books there. Uh, and prints and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted a place where I've never really taken myself very seriously as an artist Mm -hmm. who releases things into the world. Mm -hmm. I am 
a bit of an introvert <laughs> and uh, make these things and it's fine in my home. And I fantasize of like, oh, wouldn't it be great if other people saw them and I don't mm -hmm. do enough with them. So I made this site so that I could share this work with mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. The um, the Fumetti book, I actually produce, produce through Blurb mm -hmm. and the cost mm -hmm. of the book on my site is the exact cost that it costs <laughs> yeah. to make, uh, you yeah. know, that I, that I have to pay for it. Uh. Uh -huh. Through Blur, but uh -huh. I just want other people to have it. To have it, right? Exactly. Um, you could buy the Dwayne book there, mm -hmm. and you know, a few other. So the things, Dwayne book you did an edition of fifty. On the first I did run, an edition right? of fifty, and each page, um, each book is unique because each copy has a tipped-in page that I took from one of his books. I literally oh. disassembled a small five by seven mm -hmm. photo posh book of his crimped my little Tim Soder crimp stamp into the bottom <laughs> that you would put in your uh -huh. collection of library books. And so each page has a different uh, book page of his that comes with a book. So uh -huh. when you order the book online, if I know you, I will spend a good 20 minutes going through all of the books to see which page nice. I think most relates uh -huh. to you. You know, so it is, it is a really personal thing. So there'll be 50 of those. Mm -hmm. Um, ideally, and I put this out as a plea, um, <laughs> it would be great if um, a publisher really connected with this book as well and picked it up and printed it so it could get a much wider distribution. Right. Probably nobody's making money on f making photography books no. so well. I just wanted to get out to get out there. Yeah. I really do want to share it with other people, and that would be the best thing that comes yeah. out of this. And I guess my book. final question would be, what does Dwayne think of the book? Ah, that's a good question. So... I showed Dwayne a dummy copy last year after it was completed. And the whole time that I was working on this book, I never told him about it or mentioned it to him. And then I said, oh, I have this thing. You know, you should look at it. And I dropped it off very nervously <laughs> to him and waited about four days. And I came back and I picked up the book. And I said, he goes, oh, your book, your book. And he goes and gets mm. it. And he goes, oh, your book, yes. He's like, that was... That was very sweet. That must have taken a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and he handed it back uh, to me, and I said, thanks very much. And that was it. And honestly, I was really happy with yeah. that because I was so paranoid that he would object to mm. some photos he thought weren't flattering mm. or the text. I talk about buying a print of his and literally mm. the whole, t you know, explaining how, what it's like to buy a print and how mm. all that process mm. works out. I find a dent in the print that wasn't there before. I obsess about, like, mm. where the hell did that dent come from? So I wasn't sure if he was going to object to anything. The fact that he didn't object mm. was fine. Uh -huh. So a year passes, and just about three weeks ago, I gave him a copy of the printed hardcover book. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was really excited by it. Like, he looked at it, and maybe he didn't remember it uh -huh. from before, and, mm -hmm. and he's really concentrating on making his own work yeah, right now. Yeah. And so he looked through it, and he's he's really excited and, and very touched. And I said, would you sign my copy? Uh -huh. You know, number one out of 50 is my copy of the book. Would you sign it? And he goes, oh, yes, oh, yes, I know just what I'm going to sign. <laughs> and so he turns to the back of the book, and I, I look away because I don't want to watch what he's writing. And, and a little later, I open it up, and he writes, Tim, go away. Love, Dwayne. <laughs> the funny thing was, he didn't remember yeah. that the reason the book is called Tim, go away is because that was what he had signed five right. years ago with exclamation points. <laughs> and he re-signed it, Tim, go away. Just Tim, comma, go away. Love, Dwayne. In a much sweeter tone. And I wow. thought, that couldn't be better. That shows <laughs> yeah. the span of five years yeah. of what has changed from writing somebody a letter to now being somebody who's helping them make their work and who's a friend of mine. Wow, that's awesome. And I think that's a good way to end the show. All right. well, thank you so much, yeah. Tim. Thanks, I really thanks appreciate for bringing it. the book. It's really and, good talking uh, to you. Great story. Perfect, thanks. Steve. 
Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests, and the photos we discuss by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. If you'd like to support the production of the show, this year we are offering a subscription for $20. As a subscriber, you will get exclusive access to our weekly email newsletter, which will contain a bonus conversation about some of the interesting stories we find on the web. Also, at the end of the year, we'll be raffling off three awesome photo books exclusively to our subscribers. We appreciate your support and hope you continue to enjoy the show. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them to info at lpvshow.com or connect with us on Twitter at lpvshow. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and Tom Starkweather. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Special thanks to Eddie Volante and Brett A. Davis. Thanks for listening.